1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates National Average 12-Month Savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
0: If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.
2: A lot of guys' futures that are, you know, uncertain, you know, myself included, uh... That's what's sad about it most.
0: So how do you go on from here? I mean, you kind of hit on some of the realities a minute ago. So how do you go on from here? How do you how do you take the next step?
2: Yeah, Bill, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I really don't. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns going into this off season now, and they I'm gonna have to take some time away for sure and, and clear my head and. Kind of see what's going on with everything, but it's, uh, it's pretty tough right now.
1: Oh, hello. Wednesday edition of PFT live on Sunday, Aaron Rogers giveth on Tuesday. He trieth to taketh away. We're going to be talking about that over the course of the next 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes. Who knows? We go as long as we want in the opening segment of the show, but we can't go too long because coming up in the second hour of the program, the brand new head coach of the New York Jets and the winner of business suit season, the only guy who looked comfortable and at ease and commanding in his full suit at his introductory press conference, Robert Sala, the New York Jets head coach, is going to join us. Good morning, Chris Simpson. It's going to be a great day. Are you ready?
3: I'm ready. Let's do it.
1: Hut, You're hut. conflicted today. You're going to be conflicted today.
3: I, I, no, I'm not. I'm not worried about anything. What are you conflicted I'm, with? No, I'm not, I'm I'm not conflicted, conflicted I'm about anything. You. Uh, what?
1: I, well, you've been conflicted for almost <laughs> four years. You can conflict yourself right out of here if that's the <laughs> issue. But, uh, um, uh, well, I, I thought you may be conflicted because of what we're about to play. So we'll see. Maybe you will be. Maybe I can convince you to be conflicted about what transpired. Because as we say hello to our audience on Peacock, Sirius XM 211, Sky Sports, NFL, primetime, 7 p.m. UK and Ireland time, and also NBCSN at 9 Eastern and podcast whenever, wherever. However, as we say hello to you, we remind you that we've been talking a lot about Aaron Rodgers and the, the thing that he clearly and plainly said, the things he clearly and plainly said at his end of season press conference after the Packers lost to the Buccaneers. So he was on Sirius XM Mad Dog Radio with the Pat McAfee show yesterday. And he tried to put, as Chris would say, the toothpaste back in the bottle. Here, here he is talking about his future two days after he talked about his future.
2: I don't feel like I said anything that I hadn't said before. Um, you know, I said it the first time I talked to the media uh just it was more a, real, a realization i think uh that my ultimately my future is is not necessarily in in my control and i think that was what just kind of hit me in the moment i was thinking about you know uh, aaron jones and Corey lindsley and um, other guys we have under contract uh, big dog you know guys who i don't know what their future is going to be and, and myself included uh now obviously after the season that i had and um, you know, potentially win an MVP, and you know we obviously right. made it uh, another good run. I don't think that there's any reason why I wouldn't be back. But look, I think th- there's there's not many absolutes as you guys know in this business. So to to make an absolute statement about something that is is not an absolute, it's just I I didn't do it, you know, and I I guess that's why I went kind of. Kind of nuts there's times where you let your mind go to maybe well, I'm gonna be a packer for life or I'm gonna be you know uh, I'm, I'm gonna be like a Tim Duncan or a Jeter or a Kobe and play with one team my entire career I think naturally you dream about that I mean that's kind of like a dream scenario and I've talked about that for much of my career I think you know when when they drafted Jordan it was more just like the reality kicking in going hey that's actually never the case there are no absolutes in this business. And I think it, it's a beautiful thing to sit with and to and to wrap your head around. And I did. And and I got to a, a beautiful place about it. It doesn't mean that that's not still a reality. I think that's the only reality, is that there is no absolutes in this business.
1: There's a lot there that Aaron Rodgers said, Chris. And I, let me just start here. I'm going to start smoking a cigar on the air. Oh, I, I kind would of like that. that. I, would have, I kind of like that. That improved. <laughs> that would help your brand out a little bit. I do
3: like it,
0: too. Well,
1: let me tell you, we were having this conversation on the PFT check- text chain the other day. Um, one of the reasons why we don't have like the booming announcer voice like a Pat Summer on a John Facende is because we don't have anybody who's smoking five packs a day anymore. That's very to true. To help you get to that voice and right. keep it there. But, uh, but I digress. Um, okay. Look. Aaron Rodgers said what he said. Nothing he said yesterday changes what he said. He's explaining it. He's giving it some context. I don't necessarily buy all of it. I think at the core is what we have been unpacking for the past two days, the idea that the presence of Jordan Love changed everything. Because last year, when they lost to the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, Chris, Aaron Rodgers didn't speak in absolutes. He implied absolutes like, hey, we're going to get one of these soon. Well, you're saying you're going to be back. You're not saying you may not be back. You're all in. Hey, we're going to get one of these very soon. Right? We, the Packers, are going to get one. Like, you're back. You're all in. But now that they drafted Jordan Love, that rattled him. And, and I think that's one of the things that really came through in what he said yesterday. He got rattled by that, and that punctured his bubble that made him previously think, I'm going to get to stay here as long as I want, and while I'm here, they're not going to go get my replacement. They're going to use those draft picks to help me win as many as I can. And that fantasy, that best-case scenario, just disappeared in that moment. And I think that's the difference between last year, end-of-season press conference after losing in the NFC Championship game, and this year, and I don't know, was it planned? Was it deliberate? Did he have it written down on note cards? I don't know, but he's clearly been carrying it around ever since he heard the commissioner say that the Packers traded up to draft Jordan Love. Well, yeah. And, and so I get that. I understand where he's right. coming from there. And it's a legitimate question for him to have. Sure. And I'll shut up and let you talk for a little bit before I say anything more. About well, it, I, I, I could keep going and going and going.
3: Well, I mean, just listen on, the, on that first part right there. I mean, yeah. Uh, 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 listen, I, the thing I always love about Aaron Rodgers is he's honest. I, I don't know. You know, of course, there's no absolutes in football, you know, and then of course, he's OK to question what's going on right now because of just everything you just said. Yeah, he thought for sure, I mean, geez, I, I should end my career as, as a Green Bay Packer. Whoa, that's not going to happen. So he's being honest about that. And then I think the other thing that's just different from last year, Mike, is the other thing he brought up at the start of that interview there with McAfee and and um, A.J. Hawk. It's just he, he there's, there's some big contracts up this year for the Green Bay Packers. So there's a chance that the team... And the core of the team is not exactly the same next year either. And I think that's what he's referring to with all of this as well. And I'll stop there for now to answer that part of the question. Where do you want to go with this next?
1: Well, no, but I think you're you're right. He senses that changes are coming. Right. And in theory, he could be part of it. And I, I just look, no one from Green Bay is going to say we don't want Aaron Rodgers next year. And Aaron Rodgers isn't saying, I don't want to be there next year. This is about, in my opinion, and this is where I struggle. Charles Robinson was on Brother from Another yesterday, and he made a great point. And I've dealt with this for the past 10 years, because anytime Aaron Rodgers sends a message that is an intriguing message, that is a message to the team, coaching staff, front office, whoever, Someone who's part of the organizational structure above the locker room. Anytime he does that, there's no reward to be gained as someone in the media who hears what he's saying, understands what he's saying, and points out what he's saying. Because he doesn't want us to mention the message, he doesn't want us to notice the message or talk about the message. He wants to make these little passive aggressive digs that he hopes the people they're intended for will catch them and that no one else will say anything about them. And he gets a little pissy, sorry, London, when people like me or like, I assume he's upset with multiple members of the Packers reporting corps who were tweeting, and that's what got my attention. Nothing Rogers said got my attention. What, what, what got my attention was people like Jason Wildy saying he sounds like somebody saying goodbye. I was like, holy crap! I got to stop what I'm doing. There's another game on now. I got to go listen to this damn press conference. So th- that's 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 where it's a little wrong in my opinion. Like, here's a guy that he, he,
3: I don't always agree with the, the statement that it's passive aggressive. Like, I think he's just honest. He just talks, but, but and Chris, he, was, he sends and messages. He was, And he was crushed after a game. And then, okay, but people take these messages and they go where they want with them. Oh, he sounds like he's sad and it might be over. I never said he sounds he's sad. Well, I know you were talking about the the tweet. It sounds like it could be the end, whatever. Okay, yeah, he's freaking uh, killed right now that he lost the NFC Championship. So, yes, he is sad. And then he was honest about the state of the football team and where things are. And then, you know, Do
1: you really think he was honest? Do you think he was being honest when he said uncertain futures myself included yes do you think it was an yes. Un- wait wait yes. wait time out time out I mean do you wh- think that was an honest reflection by him that he may not be on the team in 2021 because that's what he that's what the words meant I think that's he's just why being freaked honest everybody out
3: okay we don't know what it meant we just don't know nothing is for sure that's all he was saying he doesn't know if Corey is going to be back if Aaron Jones is going to be back he wouldn't right. he right. wouldn't have thought that there was no way you'd draft a quarterback last year while I'm in the Super Bowl window so right. now he He's learned anything can freaking happen. Therefore, right. there are no absolutes.
1: So so do you think he believes he's not going to be on the team? I next? don't
3: know. I think right now he knows he's the best player on that football team. But he's probably also, yes, he believes he's going to be on the football team. He said that. But he's, he's also sitting there going, all right, where the hell are we going from here and where is this going altogether? And I think he's just, he's a guy that I think flushes this out in front of us, sometimes right. I don't always think it's uh, well, a messaging, but but
1: well, let's keep well, talking. But you, yeah, but uh, look again, you can't drop the turd in the punch bow and act like it's. I I hear you days. right. Like, well, and he um, didn't
3: avoid it. He did go out there and do an interview and addressed well, it once again and tried to explain himself to a degree. It's not like he says these things and then goes hide in a corner and goes, "You guys figure it out." Right. You, will not, you know, so I do I do respect
1: that. He just and he did it in a way yes. that puts the Packers fans' minds at ease. And avoids him ever being perceived by them as the bad guy. I think he wants to desperately avoid what happened to Brett Favre when it falls apart between him and the Packers. Right. And and that's why the messages come through in a subtle way, in a way that he has plausible deniability later to say, well, I was just being honest. Or I was just – look – Here's here's the core of it. Let me boil it all down, because what he said yesterday reinforces my belief as to what the situation is. He wants clarity as to where he stands with the Packers. Sure. And that comes in the form of a contract that makes it obvious, based on the terms of the contract, that he's not just the quarterback for 2021. He's the quarterback for 2022 and possibly for 2023 that the next three years are locked in, that I don't have to worry about being on a year-to-year arrangement, and I don't have to worry about going out there and having an MVP-caliber season every year to avoid the conversation as to whether or not they're going to flip to Jordan Love. That's what he wants. By way, That's what I believe. Now, again, he may not like it that someone other than Mark Murphy or Brian Gutekunst or Matt LaFleur got that message and is actually talking about it publicly, but... That's the message I think he's sending to the Packers. I want to know where I stand. And if you give me a contract that binds me to the Packers for the next three years, I know where I stand. And if you don't, well, I know where I stand. Right. I just want to know where I stand. Sure. I think that's his fundamental message. I I don't think that's I don't think that's off
3: base. I don't. And I think that's, you know, again, I think anybody. In a workplace, football, whatever it is, whatever your job is, they would like th- to know some of those things. I know you don't always know that, but but yet, you know, it's clarity for him. One, like you talked about, a hundred percent. Where do I stand? Am I going to get to call my own shots? Are you guys going to push me out of the door when all of a sudden I still think our team is good? Or you know th- that? So he doesn't know, right? And the other part of the reason you want clarity, at least in my opinion, right now, if you're Aaron Rodgers, is Okay. I'm the quarterback. Are are we going to go all in or are we going to, you know, dip our toe in the water for a year and like maybe get just an okay free agent and then the next year we're going to think about, hey, Jordan Love's career is coming up here soon. Let's start formulating what we're going to do around him. He's got to worry about that clarity too about the direction of the team and how it affects him. And I think that's part of the conversation as well.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's interested in being part of a semi-rebuild right, right. over the next year or two. And the salary cap dropping to the range, it's believed, of $180 million for 2021 could be a factor, will be a factor, and actually could help the Packers get some bargain basement veterans to come in If they are willing to be aggressive and go against their nature, although we saw what Brian Gutekunst did a couple of years ago with all the veterans that the Packers brought in so different than what we'd seen in the prior 15 years. There's going to be that opportunity this year because you can say we got Aaron Rodgers. The other teams don't come sign on with us. We're close to the top of the mountain. You're not going to get paid a whole lot of money by anyone this year." Make what you can here, play into February, exactly. and then you make your money next year.
3: Hey, it, that, I mean, look, they should have a sign outside the stadium that says that. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and it should have been there ten years ago. So that—that's one of the problems of the organization altogether. But I, uh, you're exactly right. It, it could fall in the right place to where, yeah, they get some players up there for some bargain deals, and they—they they change it around. He, I'm sure, he, like us, any sports fan, him. He'd like to see them make a little more investment in the team as as it pertains to supporting around him, I'm sure. The one thing I'll say, too, like, you know, we sit here, we look at all the, you know, the underwhelming draft picks and things like that. I don't want to say underwhelming because these guys have done very well. I mean, they've helped their football team out. They're just not difference makers to where – You know, teams are changing their schemes or their matchups because they're going, oh, no, you know, uh, St. Brown is split out here. We got to check to a different coverage or Alan Lazard. No, they're good players. They're certainly worthy of being in that rotation and getting the football, but they need another marquee guy. But wait, last thing I wanted to say, Mike, I bet you the one thing that probably out of all the things Rodgers doesn't like that's out there, right? If I'm him, and i'm trying to put myself in his shoes and you know i'm pretty obsessed with him and i i follow the words he says he probably doesn't like the contract talk thing that is probably one thing he does not love to hear cuz that doesn't paint him in in a in a good light in any way so that that's one thing that I don't know how much he addressed that yesterday. I know I saw one comment. He did. Yeah. But let's talk about that. And I'm
1: glad you mentioned that. Let's talk about it or let's listen about it because here's Aaron Rodgers from yesterday with Pat McAfee and A.J. Hawk talking about the reports originating, uh, I'm not sure where, that he wants a new contract.
2: (laughs) I did see, you know, some of these comments being made. And I don't want to go through them one by one and talk about, you know, the falsehoods being said out there, but I haven't even had the conversations yet. There's conversations to be had. I'm going to have them, um, with the right people, but it's the same conversation we have every single year. You know, there's nothing, you know, there's no like big, you know, I'm going to come to the table with, you know, I need this and this and this. Like, look, we have honest conversations about, about, uh, where we're at every single year. And, uh, whether that's with Brian, Matt, Mark, I've had these conversations for years. I think it's part of like being a leader uh, on the squad and and having a pulse of the team and the direction that we're going. And we'll have the same conversations we do every year.
1: Dude's brilliant. He's brilliant. Cause look, what he did, he pivoted away from what he wants to what he's actually communicated to the Packers. We haven't had the conversations yet. Well, no one said you had the conversations. No one said that as soon as the game ended, you stormed into Brian Gutekunst's office and said, I want to have a conversation right now about my contract. That wasn't what anyone said. This is something that percolates over time throughout the season and comes to a head when the season ends, and is an indication of where the ball is moving. We're not saying the ball's already there. The ball is moving in the direction of him wanting a new contract. He wants a new contract to get the clarity. See, it's too hard for him to be the one to say, "Sure, it's not about the money." And that's that. And this speaks to your point. He doesn't want to be painted that way, right? You know, I made the point. I can't remember. Who responded this way? It may have just been an email I got from somebody who was listening to the show saying, Oh, he needs financial security. And the point is, it's not financial security. We're talking about security and clarity as to his ongoing employment. Yeah, right. right. And and I think for him, it's too hard to go into that minefield because the harder you try to explain yourself, the more likely it is you're gonna step on a mine. Right. So uh, he so that's I think that's why he just wants none of that to be mentioned discussed even though that is the core vehicle for him getting the clarity that he wants you get a contract that because that's how teams speak they speak through their actions and when they give you a contract that ties you to them for three more seasons you have your answer Jordan Love is closer to Jimmy Garoppolo than he is to Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers was the guy who was waiting to take over for Brett Favre. See, he's lived it as Jordan Love. No doubt. So the question is, is this guy me or is he the Jimmy Garoppolo who's going to get traded in the fourth year of his contract to another team? Right. No, I mean, you're right. He lived it. He witnessed it. He got to see what happened with Brett
3: Favre, how that was dealt. I'm sure, you know, he's talked about Brett and probably some of those private conversations that went on between him and the Packers back in that day, and it scarred him. He's not going to forget. Who wouldn't? You know, of course you're going to remember something like that. I I think the money thing, though, yes, that's where I would imagine him – Um, being a little protective of that conversation, because I I do understand that. Listen, I I read the comments under your article yesterday about this. And then, you know, some of the comments and what people say are just so off base and ridiculous that I want to make an account and become a commenter on there and just start going, Hey, I'm Chris Sims. And that's a dumb comment. And let me tell you why tune into the show tomorrow at (laughs) seven at Peacock. Okay. All right. So, but, First, don't yes. read the comments. Just okay. don't. Just
1: don't read them. It's but, not worth it. Well, I told I had to tell my wife that 10 years ago when well, we started I just with comments. Like she said, "I can't them. believe what
3: they're saying." It's like, "Don't read them. I don't know. read them." I just like to get a vibe every now and then for the feel of like what people think about these things. The money thing with Rodgers, it's not like he if, – if, if there is conversations or there was conversations or anything like that, I don't think it's like he's ran in the door to Green Bay. He's like, I want more money. I want you to pay me more correct. money. Correct. Right. That's correct. Yes. It, I agree. It, no, I, I, I know. I'm just setting it up. It, I'm just explaining it to the other people. I think it's more like what you're saying. It's just I don't give a damn about the money. I just want something that shows me you're committed. And that's probably probably why he's trying to, like you said, answer that question very smartly and divert down another road so it doesn't get into, I look like
1: a brat because I'm asking for more money because I don't think that's what it is at all. A new contract provides commitment, and a commitment provides clarity. Yeah. And what he wants is clarity. And the fact that he said, myself included, means... He currently doesn't have the clarity he would like because a year ago he had the clarity. There was no hesitation. There was no equivocation when he was upbeat after they got their asses kicked by the 49ers. I remember watching that press conference thinking, why is he so upbeat? He's upbeat because, hey, we're going to get one of these coming up here in the next few years. And then in came Jordan Love instead of a receiver taken with that first-round pick or some other piece that could help them with the fourth-round pick that was packaged with the first-round pick to move up to get Jordan Love. Right. That's the thing that was the cold splash of water in his face, and that accounts for the difference from last year to this year. And that's why he said what he said. So, And, and this is what's just so frustrating about it because he doesn't want us – Saying those things. He just wants the message to be sent and received by the people for whom it's intended and the rest of us in the middle to just go about our day. And that's not why we're here. Can well, we put the graphic back I up? Think though? I do more, want to say one I, thing. I think it's true
3: about just, you know, he doesn't want the conversation to where you bring something like this up. It's a huge pro football. Your pro football talk is the most popular sports NFL website that people not go to. Him. Okay, Not and he just, him. well, no, but yes, I mean, he doesn't want to read that garbage. But, <laughs> Crap. But, but he but he also understands how that headline and even the things that you wrote can funnel into another conversation and all of a sudden be perceived totally out of whack, and I'm sure he's aware of that as well.
1: well that's why you go on Pat McAfee's show for 45 minutes and try to put the toothpaste back in the bottle. But look at this graphic. Look, he won't say it, you, I, I, and you understand why yeah. he won't say it, but, my God. Right. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding Aaron, me? Aaron, are you kidding me? $33.5 million, the same as Jared Goff? Are you kidding me? 500000 a year more than Kirk Cousins? Are you kidding me? Look at the names that he has clustered around, and look at where the top of the market has moved, and, yeah. And look at the lot. Li- he like, more money. Yeah. Yeah, he does. It's okay for us to say it. Yeah. It's not okay for him to say it, but I think that – as much as he would like to stuff me in a locker and leave me there until I'm just a skeleton, uh, I think he should be paid more money. Yeah, I,
3: I mean, I, I under, yes, he should be. Uh, there's no doubt. But like you said, I don't think it is about you know the dollars themselves. It, it is about the the commitment, and that's what it's all. That's going to be the continued conversation here. Um, but that that quarterback list is you know it's comical in a lot of ways. I just think when you look at it, there you just go look at the bottom of that list. Well, it just it shows everything we've talked about that you don't need to pay some of these guys three and four times more money than the other the second best player on your football team. It's just gotten out of whack that way. That's crazy. You know those those numbers and names should be for like the elite. Yeah, Watson, Wilson, Mahomes. You know, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson coming up in the future. It's for those guys. You know, everybody else, it it just shouldn't be that way in my opinion.
1: Well, and that's why I think we're going to see and should see a tiered system we talked about this recently this idea that just because you're the next quarterback to come up for a contract so you know it's the old thing where you're putting your hand on the bat higher and higher each guy gets another no that's not how it works you you get you get to put your hand higher a level lower you get a smaller bat for 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 jared goff and kirk cousins and carson Wentz. right the truly elite quarterbacks get the bigger bat and they keep moving up that one that's how it should work And you've got Aaron Rodgers caught at the top of the small bat when he should be at the top of the big bat. It's that simple. Yeah, that's right. It's that simple. And yeah, look, hey, it's been tough for a lot of people over the course of the last year. Folks don't want to hear us talking about the difference between 45 million and 39 million and 33 million a year. It's all obscene to a lot of these folks. But the reality is, these are the guys who bring value to the sport. They are the ones that we're tuning in to watch. That's right. And it's about respect for Aaron Rodgers and what he's accomplished, and it's about that clarity he's looking for because without that new contract, he's on a year-to-year arrangement. He's in a situation where the Packers hold all the cards, and for 2021, yeah, we definitely want him back, but you know what? If he stinks in 2021... Yeah, where's it go then? Then we got Jordan Love. Right. And right. we're not talking about 2022. We're just talking about 2021. And on on that regard, Mark Murphy, the Packers CEO, was on the fifth quarter show on WNFL in Green Bay Monday night. And and he addressed the issue from the Packers' perspective. This isn't going to surprise anyone, but it is Mark Murphy's voice on this topic. So let's hear what Murphy had to say.
2: I'll say this. There's no way in heck <laughs> that Aaron is not going to be on the Packers. I mean, he's, he is uh, he's going to be the MVP of the league. Might have had his best year ever. He's our unquestioned leader. And,
1: you know, we're not idiots. <laughs> we're not idiots. I love that. We're not idiots. I just want a T-shirt that says we're not idiots. Uh, but but here, here's the the one little caveat. If he seeks the clarity that would come from the commitment, that would come from the new contract, and they say no, that's when the first domino falls and the question is how many more fall behind it? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't give him the clarity, if you tell him, no, Aaron, you know, here's how it works. We've paid you a lot of money over the years and you signed this contract and it's got three years left on it. And you see, here's the way this, this operates. We get to decide when we want to rip it up, you don't. And you kind of know that going in, you're a smart guy. Uh, So we reserve the right to rip it up after 2021 or 2022 if we feel like we're ready to move on to Jordan Love and that's just the way it is yeah. so we know you'd like to have a commitment that makes it impossible for us to do that well we're just not going to give that to you if that's the message that is sent back to him oh, right. either that bluntly or more subtly then that's when that's that's when myself included becomes relevant oh no, well yeah th- that's
3: that's when the you know the store high in transit hits the fan okay I don't know <laughs> what they want to say because I uh, th- they better be careful playing that game with this guy I mean th- to me you know first off he's different than Brett Favre you know I do think he's a little more indoctrinated into the team with relationships and things like that Brett Favre got done with the year and went back to Mississippi and said hey I'll see you guys next football season that's it and I know Aaron Rodgers is not there all the time either. But still, you know, I do feel that there's a little difference there. And I just don't think – I think, listen, I, at baseline, I think Aaron Rodgers knows how to play the political game a little bit more too if this thing got ugly and you talk about the passive-aggressive uh, comments or just how smart he is in general. He, he, he can make life very interesting in Green Bay if they don't give oh. him the answers they they, they should give him.
1: This thought has occurred to me several times this week, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Brett Favre is a dog, and Aaron Rodgers is a cat. That's the difference,
3: right? <laughs> you're right. There is. The, I can see what you mean there. Yes, you're right, and that's fitting because I'm kind of a cat person, so I like that. I like that a lot. But you like
1: to be. You like an animal that manipulates you, and
3: well, I don't know. Uh, plays well, on your feelings. Or, and... I manipulate it too, so I don't know. It goes both ways. I think no. either way. But hey, Mark Murphy. Green Bay, Guttenkust, everything up there, there's a lot I respect and like. And they're not idiots. I know that. I know. But it was a semi-idiotic offseason, and it'll be a semi-idiotic offseason once again if we don't do something to go all in with Aaron Rodgers, that really in the in the in the big scope of things, they played the worst freaking team and lost to the worst team they could have played in the NFC Championship game for the sake of the organization because the lack of support, the Jordan Love thing. Tampa went all in with Tom Brady. He's got weapons galore, and they had dropped out oh, Tristan Wirfs, right tackle, first rounder. Oh, that's why we didn't hear Zadarius Smith's all, name all game. They got there in part because a guy that wasn't on the the the, on the field that day Antoine Winfield who we've talked about a lot he was a huge contributor to the game the receiver from Minnesota that you talked about all last week Johnson he has a big third down catch in the game over the middle oh rookies helping bam players helping Tom Brady all of those things I just think that was it's it it, that I think even infused the conversation more about all what we're talking about.
1: Well, and think about the contrast in Tampa Bay. Their number one objective, even more so than winning the Super Bowl, just, frankly, is making sure Tom Brady comes back next year. Right, right. We want you back next year. Please right. come back. Please come back. Don't retire. Don't don't ask to be traded or released. We want you back. And uh, Aaron Rodgers has to look around and wonder, what is the plan? Are we are we all in? Are we trying to do this? And again, the question is this, folks. What kind of quarterback is Jordan Love? Is he Jimmy Garoppolo, who is there just to apply the red-hot poker to Aaron Rodgers in the later years of his career and motivate him and drive him and hope that that carries the Packers to championships like it did for the Patriots and Tom Brady? Or is Jordan Love Aaron Rodgers, the guy who at some point is going to take over for Aaron Rodgers. And we saw how they hatched the plan in 2008 when they went to Brett Favre in February and said, we need to know right now what you're going to do this season. The perfect time to get him to say, well, if I have to tell you right now, I'll retire. And then they barricade the door. They hope he doesn't come back. They give the ball to Aaron Rodgers. He does come back. They deal with it. Aaron lived all that front row seat right in the middle of it. Smack dab in the middle. He wasn't in front row seat. He was on the stage for how that all played right. out. And and it was awkward. And he and I think he's trying to avoid being put in that same kind of a spot.
3: Yeah. And, and to be fair, Rodgers hasn't, you know, left the organization uh, dangling in three previous off-seasons either. We can't forget that. That was a huge part of why that went down and why they treated no Rodgers has not done anything wrong to to, to the organization or threatened them with retirement or anything like that. So there is a
1: difference there too. You're right. He's consistently said he wants to play into his freeze and he never wants to play for any team other than the Packers, period. So he has behaved in his mid-30s the exact opposite of the way that Brett Favre did, right. and I think that's what stings him even more. It's like, look, guys, now that I'm getting up in years, I'm not going to screw around like Brett did, and and try to hold you guys hostage every year and make you think, am I coming back? And then you do this to me, okay? Well, well, oh, it's going to be a different ball game. Now that you've done this whole thing with Jordan Love. And and here's the thing. We support – I support – I think they are doing him wrong. I think he does need to be upset, and I think he does need to seek the clarity that will come from the commitment that comes from a new contract, Chris. Yeah. I think I, I support that 100%. I know you do. No matter what he thinks of me, no matter what he says, right. no matter how many times he says people shouldn't read that crap, maybe they should. <laughs> maybe, maybe somebody out there who's making decisions for the Packers should because – we think that he's right, and we think that he that, that they, they have done him wrong right. as, as no it relates doubt. to Jordan Love no and doubt. the help around him. Yeah, no no I doubt. I think we agree. No, we I do agree. agree. Okay, good. Let's we stop agree. talking about it while we agree. Let's go to a break. When we return, another topic that we agree on, what the Rams may do, could do, should do, will do with their franchise quarterback who makes exactly as much money as Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk about that next here on PFT Live.
0: so you can't say at this moment that Jared Goff will be on the team in 2021.
1: What I can say is Jared Goff's around in this moment. And I said it's way too early to speculate the future. That's a beautiful mystery. Well, there's been a lot of beautiful mysteries. What is up lately. with that lately? What is up Man, with that? <laughs> I, 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 beautiful I, mystery. Look, I don't, I, I don't know. But uh, between Sean McVay, the coach of the team, Les Snead, the GM of the team, all of a sudden – They're they're off the Jared Goff wagon. And and to not even say he'll be on the team next year. I mean, think about it. If you're trying to trade the guy, you say he's going to be on the team just to generate leverage. I think that they're not even being coy about that for leverage purposes because they know they can't trade him. Who the hell? I'm sorry, Jared. If you're watching or if you're a friend or a family member, Jared Goff, I mean... Who the hell's going to trade for the guy right now, especially with that contract? No, well, yeah, that,
3: that's that's right, and then that, maybe that's exactly why they they're not afraid to talk or say what they're saying. They realize that like no one's calling us, so who cares, anyways? But, but I think at the at the very least, I, I don't know. Again, it's very odd that we're hearing you know this cryptic language out of McVeigh, Les Sneed, who have been like over the top. Uh, 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 praising Goff for anything he does. Like, oh, gosh, Uh, he throws the three-yard throw into the flat as good as anybody I've ever seen, and they'll gush about it. Like, oh, we, we couldn't do it without Jared. But I think at the end of the day, the reality is what it is. And when you evaluate your football team at the end of the season, the thing you have to look at first, and you have to look at this with any team, is you just go, wait, how did our money perform? We've invested heavily in these areas. Did we get our return investment? Wait, okay, our biggest investment what huh what huh? whoa that our biggest investment is you know we're licking here and evaluating is the downfall of our football team it's 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 the the weakest link of the twenty two starters on the offense and defensive side of the ball, and I think that's where they've gotten to so. Uh, I, it just it's it's fascinating where they are right now with the Rams.
1: Well, and let's consider the recent history for the Rams organization. They gave the big contract to Todd Gurley, and then they quickly regretted it, and they had to sever ties with him, and they had to take you know the the cap hit, and they still owed him money. And remember, there was that issue: did they pay him? Were they going to yeah, pay him? Right. When were they going to pay him? And Jared Goff has forty three point two five million in fully guaranteed payments that have already vested over the course of the next two years. And a lot of that money is not subject to offset because for whatever reason, the Rams are one of the teams that will agree to not put in offset language, which means you get to keep all the money that you were supposed to make from the Rams. And when you go to another team, you get to keep all of that money too. The typical guarantee structure is that let's say you're guaranteed $10 million and you go to another team and make $5 million. The team that's supposed to owe you ten only owes you five. Five plus five is ten, but for Goff, ten plus five is fifteen. For a lot of the money that's still owed to him, that makes it harder to trade him, and that just puts them in a real box. And if you cut him, you still owe him that money. If you trade him, you're looking at a twenty-two million dollar cap charge for this year, which isn't all that bad they, compared to they what, could what June other cap charge right? they could. They, yeah, well, they could trade him after June one. Right now, they could cut him. At, they could cut him after June one. And reduce the cap charge for 2021, but they still have 43.25 million in cash yeah, commitments right. that are owed to him, fully guaranteed. So, you know, t- cutting him is not an option at mm-hmm. this point. Trading him pre-June one still is only a 22 million dollar cap charge for this year, but but they're not going to find anyone to touch that contract and Chris my prediction on how this plays out yeah let me hear they are going to bring in competition yeah right and if he is not good enough he's going to be on the bench yeah and they're going to be paying him a crap load of money almost said the other word to sit on the bench and be ready to go in and play and he may not like it well go check your your bank statement and look at your accounts and check your investments anytime you're not happy about the fact that you're not playing because you got paid a hell of a lot more money than you should have gotten and I'm telling you. Chris, I, I hate I hate to say this, and I don't want to overstate the influence that that folks like us may have. But I was banging the drum two years ago. Don't yeah, you pay were. the guy. Don't, you pay were, the guy. don't pay the guy. Don't pay the guy. And it were. was pushing people to ask Sean McVay about it. And it all I think it pushed the Rams to just pay him to to just get that topic off the table. Well, I I think it either
3: way. I think your conversation or you pointing that out, which you were, you were all over it. That was the start of everybody opening their eyes to this conversation of what we're having now, and and what we talked about at the start of the show with Rogers and all the money and all that. I I really think we're headed down that route, and I don't say that because you and I talk about it, because I start to hear it from people I know in the NFL that this is you know something that all teams are thinking about and going, yeah, damn, why are we doing that? Why why are we just why are we negotiating against ourselves a lot of the times and just offering more money than? You know anybody else would offer it, it. Does not make sense. This Rams thing, Mike. I I, I think you kind of hit it, and that's my take on it too. They can't get rid of them. No one's gonna trade them. At least it, it seems very unlikely. But the very least, what Les Snead and McVeigh have done is they've let it be known the honeymoon's over. Here, you know, shots have been fired across the bow. You're on notice. It was not good enough. In fact, it was below average. And that's why we were going to ride with John Wolford in the in the playoffs. And now you're going to have to earn your spot on the roster or, you know, starting on the football team. And I think they're, they're letting that be known very clearly here since the season's ended.
1: And it may be as simple a proposition as once Jared Goff won the lottery, he stopped putting as much time and effort and dedication into the craft as he needed to. And maybe that's what they're trying to get him to do hey, Jared, you don't like it that we're talking about possibly moving on from you? Well, start working harder. Start showing up earlier. Start putting more time in. See, we we haven't heard any of that stuff yet because I think it would be indiscreet for guys like Sean McVay to start leaking anything he may be aware of that would cause him to believe that Jared Goff isn't working hard enough. But the, the product's not there, right? And And instead of rallying around him and saying, I got your back and it's fine and I'll take the heat for it, right? It's this, all of a sudden, they they have a hands-off approach to Jared Goff. It makes me think there's something more to the story as it relates to how hard they think he's working, how committed they think he is, and the connection between all the effort you put in and creating issues for yeah. the team on the field right because if he's trying hard if he's busting his ass if he's doing everything he can and it's just bad luck right or just stuff happens you're going to have different messages from sean mcveigh and Les Sneed. i think they've decided organizationally that they're not going to have these guys back anymore that their days of making excuses for him or just blindly supporting him are over and maybe the 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 purpose of all of it is to send a message to him, yeah, you better wake up. And if yeah. you don't wake up this year, you're gone.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's really w- what it is more than anything. It's it just, it's got to change. It can't be we have to go and do a lot of games and, you know, at this point of your career, not manage you, but yet manage them to a degree and be careful about what's called. And oh, it's third and long. I don't know if I can call this play with him or trust him or know what he'll do in the pocket or anything like that. I think all of that has just come to, you know, a pinnacle this year. It was all there, you know, this whole time, but they were winning football games and it wasn't like you could sit there and just go, oh, he's the glaring issue. This year I think you could come away and go, yeah, they won football games, they got in the playoffs, and, you know, not only was he the glaring, you know, he was the glaring issue. He was throughout the year into the playoffs, all of that, and I think that's where it's changed, and I'm sure McVay's just had enough.
1: Shane Waldron, the passing game coordinator for the last three years for the L.A. Rams, is now the offensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks. As to the Rams, it doesn't mean anything because McVay runs the offense. I mean, look, I don't want to diminish the contributions of anyone else, but McVay will just pivot to someone else and the train keeps rolling. What does this mean for the Seahawks? Well,
3: to me, this means exactly kind of what you heard from Pete Carroll. I, I, I know it's a pass game coordinator under the Rams, but the Rams are all about the run. And that's what they've been really through the Sean McVay era. It's run, run, bootleg, you know, run, fake the speed sweep, play action pass, do all of those type of things. That's what they're about. So I think that's where Pete Carroll is getting back into that. He likes that the Rams have that uh, package of plays. He probably thinks it fits very well with Russell Wilson. Now, the big question will be. Hey, listen. I, I'm a, I'm slightly underwhelmed by the drop back pass game of the Rams throughout the last few years. Maybe we'll know a little bit more. Is it Jared Goff? Is it lack of plays? Things like that. But that's not an aspect of their offense that's necessarily blown me away there. And uh, I'll be interested to to hear Russell Wilson's take on that.
1: Well, and we we may not hear it directly. It may be a little more subtle. It may be things said by guys like DK Metcalf, who said some things earlier this week that I think he's heard from Russell Wilson about how basic the offense has been since Pete Carroll became the head coach. But that is a pressure point for the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson did not want Brian Schottenheimer to go, even though Schottenheimer wasn't doing enough to keep the offense ahead of the defense's that they were facing this year. Real challenges in Seattle, real challenges with the Rams, real challenges pretty much all over the place as teams that thought they had a good chance to get the Super Bowl 55 realized they got a lot of work to do. We still got plenty of work to do here. When we return, plenty of people criticized Sean McDermott's decisions from Sunday night. There's a chance he agrees with at least some of the criticism that's been thrown his way. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Bills coach Sean McDermott met with reporters on Tuesday to look back on the season that was, and among other things, he was asked about the decision not to go for a touchdown but to go for a field goal right before halftime when facing a Chiefs team that field goals will not beat. Here's McDermott.
0: The one before half really felt like, uh, you know, morale was a big piece of that. Uh, you know, they had momentum; uh, they were getting the ball after half as well, Vic, and felt like. We needed to come away with points uh, at that one, because even though sometimes analytics may say one thing and whether it said it or not on our chart, um, I think there's a human element to the game at the end of the day and uh, felt like we needed to come away with points as I look at those guys in the locker room and say, Hey, uh, we got something to show for, for that drive. We put together at the end of the half. And I thought that was important uh, because it was getting awfully, awfully tough, tough sled there for a little bit.
1: I understand what Coach McDermott's saying there, but again, the human element is you're facing the Chiefs, and field goals will not beat the Chiefs. You have to match touchdown with touchdown, especially as you feel like the game is beginning to get out of your grasp. You know, we see upsets in the playoffs turn on that moment that makes us say, "Uh uh-oh, like the Scotty Miller touchdown, right? When you're going into a place where you are expected to lose in the postseason, Chris, I think you need to have in your bag of tricks an uh uh-oh moment. You need to have something ready to go that's going to flip things your way. Otherwise, you're just not going to win the game.
3: Well, yes, you know, and they've had that all year. I mean, we've talked about it. They've had trick plays, anything you want like that. Uh, We talked about this on Monday. I kind of said exactly what Sean McDermott did right there. I didn't have as much of a problem with the one before the half. I did not. Because if you go in 20, down 21-9 and they're going, wait, Kansas City's going to get the ball, morale could be an issue to where the team goes, damn, we're screwed. We're out of this. There, so there is a little logic in human psychology there, just at least in my experience being in football, to where you, know, you go in and you go, okay, we got some points. Yeah, we're, we're down nine. Right, we, we can still salvage this. We like this, even though, you know, no matter what happens here, there, there is something to that. And also, we got to remember, their offense hadn't done jack Diddley squat until that drive. They had a hard time doing anything. So I think there was something there, too, where he's going, man, one play, they've had the best of us really the whole half. Let me just kick a field goal and go away with that. You, you know me, and I think you're more of this, too. My issue is the next field goal. Yeah, now it's twenty-four to twelve, and now you go. Wait, it's the third quarter, and you're not going to stop them. It's apparent. We got to start being aggressive, and and that's where uh, you know I disagree. But he addressed that too, and and he understands that as well. It sounds like
1: he said he's kicking himself a little bit at the end of the day. Let's just be aggressive there, as it relates to the second the second field one, goal, yeah, not the first right. one. But but again, and this is something I don't know how much of it's this tough you actively plan for as a coach during the season. This is where experience in the postseason becomes very helpful. But my experience of watching it and studying it for 40 plus years is if you're going to score the upset on the road in a playoff game, you have to craft those moments. You have to engineer momentum in your favor. You have to be ready to do something gutsy, something maybe unexpected, but something different from the normal formula that you would apply in a regular season game. Because in a regular season game, you got next week. In a postseason game, you don't. Remember the Andy Reid quote after going forward on fourth and one against the Browns, trying to hold the lead. There is no tomorrow. If you're the underdog, you need to take that, that mentality even more to heart. There is no tomorrow. You're David, he's Goliath, and you better have – A pretty good stone in your slingshot, and be ready to aim it, Chris.
3: Yeah, no. I listen. I think they're very aware of that. You know, that's why they always had those type of plays throughout the year. I just think that was a tough moment right there, and they were clearly overmatched as a football team at the end of the day.
1: We'll be back with plenty more right after this.